This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper and the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 578 of The Sleeper and the Bust. I am Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Man, it's weird to hear you in mono, but I, I've, uh, <laughs> I've got one of these inner ear infections on my right side. It doesn't hurt at all, but I have so much fluid in there, I can't hear anything from my right ear pod. Oh, which is a bit weird. No pain, but this has been a week, and they have me on steroids, so if I have to take a piss test, I'm in trouble. Um, but you're hitting but then, bombs, right? I'm, I'm talking bombs. I'm writing bombs. Uh, I'm also an insomniac at this point. I, it somehow has turned me into a guy that sleeps four hours a night. Mm, so you're kind of on my sleep schedule. Pretty much. I was going to say, I'm, I'm with you and Paul. Uh, I was up till 3 o'clock in the morning the other night, and then yesterday, or last night, I think I was up until 1.30 and was up at 6. Like, hey, look at this. I yeah. just I've been taking short naps, and it, it, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been up for about... 23 hours on about an hour of sleep. So, uh, and I have no uh, sleep coming anytime soon. So that that's uh, that is Sunday for me. That's nuts. <laughs> people, that's nuts. People all the time ask me, like, how do you do so much in the industry? This is how. I never sleep. <laughs> you sleep on Monday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just crash, you know. One or two days a week, I just end up crashing the whole day, which is... Uh, an awesome way to live, but we have uh, actual like baseball stuff to talk about. But before we do, uh, a couple housekeeping things. Um, one, you can uh, reach uh, Jason on Twitter at Jason Collette, me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, feel free to give us a rate and review, especially if it's the five star variety. It really helps us out. Uh, then uh, we're also trying to get nominated for the podcast awards, and that nominations are open through the end of this month. So about what nine days left that you can go and nominate us at podcastawards.com uh we've paired up with a couple other podcasts to try to help each other out uh that's pop goes your world in the entertainment section our good friends chris mcbrien and yancey eaton fellow rays fan yancey eaton that's right uh they're trying to get nominated again they were nominated last year in the entertainment category uh, you can nominate this podcast in the People's Choice category, and then my other podcast, Friends of Fantasy Benefits, in the Sports category. So go over to podcastawards.com. Uh, you just got to register, I think, an email address or something, and then you can go and vote for these nominations. And uh, hopefully we'll know in about two weeks or so whether or not we're nominated for an award. That'll be sweet. 
Because I don't think we have. I don't think we have been nominated. Maybe I'm missing one. There was we've one been, time we We've were. been nominated for uh, an FSWA. That's what it was. But we have not won. I'm, I'm hoping this is the year we actually win an award, because then I can take the majority of the credit. Yes, you could. Since that, you're on every show, that, that's yeah, that's that, that's my plan is to take the credit. So, um, and then uh, there's still a few sleeper in the bus T-shirts over at RotoWear.com. So, if you want a sleeper in the bus T-shirt, I'm actually wearing mine right now. Uh, it's uh, they're super comfortable, uh, they're cool looking, and they have our names on it, which is something every uh, sports fan needs in their closet. That's right. So that'll take care of all the kind of the housekeeping stuff. Uh, and let's just kind of jump into some news. Uh, Juris Familia has been traded to the Oakland A's for, I think, minor prospects. I don't, I don't, Very I don't, minor. yeah, I haven't seen anybody really uh, exclaim much about what the, the Mets got in return. It feels a lot like a money dump. They also got, I believe, a million dollars in bonus pool money for the international market. Uh, so that could be helpful to them later on down the line. But really, the the big news is Familia going to the A's, joining their bullpen, which would, I assume, leave uh, Gzellman as the closer for the Mets. So what are your thoughts on this trade from a fantasy perspective? Yeah, can we have a pity party for me for a second? Because I entered <laughs> I entered the week with Brandon Morrow and, and Juris Familia as my closers in my NL League, oh. and we're ending the week with neither of them. On my roster, uh, thankfully, I get the $16 back that I had spent on Familia, and it puts me in second place in fab for the Manny sweepstakes tonight. So the guy in front of me is going to have to either spend – he has 61 and I have 56. He's in first place. I'm in fourth or fifth. I don't have a problem blowing my budget on it because I've got a – I think I've got a deep roster at this point. I've got enough pieces, but he doesn't have a bench because a lot of his guys are hurt. And so I'm going to probably put out the full amount. I don't know if we're allowed to zero bid, so I may have to save a few dollars in reserve. But be like, you know what? Here, you want them, you're going to have to pay for them. And I think we have a pretty – the salary cap in this league is a little tighter. Uh, and so it's like I can't just blow $50. I don't think he can either, so i got to look at that later tonight to see exactly where this is all going to lay out. Uh, but that's the only upside. But I went from two closers to zero closers just like that. Uh, I think from the – if we look at from the fantasy side, obviously it impacts Familia's value – because uh, he's going to a bullpen where he has no shot at closing a game unless Trinan gets hurt. But Trinan's just been phenomenal this year. Uh, and that bullpen is really deep with uh, Trevino in there, with Petit, with Buckter. I mean, it's a deep bullpen. They're three games out of the wild card. I love Oakland making a push for this. And kudos to Oakland, by the way, for getting 50-something thousand dollars into the mausoleum last night. That was, that was I know it's the Giants versus A's. Both teams have winning records and all that. But, you know, Kudos to them. And then for all, the other part of me says, well, why do they need a new stadium? All they need is two winning teams in the Bay to get that many people in that dump. Okay, great. Uh, so yeah, to that point. But then with the Mets, yeah, I guess Kasselman would be the closer. Right? We didn't really like him in the rotation, but in the bullpen, he's pitched well. And so for the one Met win a week, the rest of the way, given that they're losing Cespedes too, um, if you're looking for a handful of saves, that's where you go. Would you rather have Gazelman in a mixed league, or would you rather spec on uh, like a Joe Jimenez or someone who might uh, you know get into a, a saves role? Yeah, there's going to be a couple of there could be a couple of candidates for that. I mean, you look at the the trade market 
you know, Brad Brock may get the job back with Zach Britton as good as gone. Uh, you know, you've got Sergio Ramos getting saves in Tampa Bay, but he's as good as gone too. Uh, and so you, there's two jobs that could open up. Now, where they go in, in Tampa Bay, no clue. I mean, I, I like Jose. I like Diego Castillo, but he can't throw strikes right now. I like Jose Alvarado, but he's had trouble throwing strikes right now. Uh, I honestly don't know where that job goes. That's really going to be a closer by committee situation because honestly, the best guy in that bullpen of late has been Hunter Wood. But I said the same thing about Castillo last month. Castillo has suddenly just lost his ability uh, to throw strikes, and he's just walking. The other day, walked the seven and eight hitter, uh, and then set up the damage uh, to, for the top of the lineup to flip over and then come in and do what they needed to, uh, to do to drive those runs in. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to think through some other possible closer situations You've where somebody's going to Michael Lorenz in uh, with Rossiel and Gla- yeah. uh, Glacius, uh likely to get moved. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what other situation. Well, I mean, you could uh, Jose Leclerc has uh, been uh, rumored as probably the next man up if the Rangers trade Diekman and uh, Kella. Doesn't Kella really? Kella is cheap, isn't he? He is, and he's under team control, but he's been rampantly uh, discussed in in trade rumors. So it, it, you it, should it, always it, listen. Sure. I mean, especially <clears throat> if you're a team like the Rangers that need a ton of help, especially in their rotation, if they can get some. I mean, you also look prospects. at you look at the what's what's going to happen with the White Sox if they trade uh, Soria, but it's not, it's not going to be Nate Jones who had a recent setback. And so, and how many games are they really going to win down the stretch that you're going right. to get saves from? So, uh, I mean, there's a chance the Cardinals what move Bud Norris and. Uh, who's going to babysit Jordan Hicks? (laughs) I think that would be the exact reason they traded. (laughs) I don't know, but they've been winning games against the Cubs here this weekend because Mm -hmm. Matt Carpenter, the only thing hotter than Dallas, Texas, is Matt Carpenter. Um, Did you see Sammy Reed's tweet about Matt Carpenter? I did not. Uh, He said the EPA has declared Matt Carpenter as the cause of global warming. I did see that tweet. Never mind. I did see that one. Uh, yeah, the Cardinals are only four and a half out of the wild card with Colorado, Arizona in front of them. That's not unattainable. Yeah. It's uh, um, the, the NL is just wide open. I just want to see what they're going to do with Jose Martinez now with the uh, new manager basically putting him on the bench. Trade <laughs> him to Tampa Bay. <clears throat> Please. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's talk about the Baltimore situation because rumors are – Zach Britton uh, is probably the next uh, player to go from the Orioles, and they are expecting to trade him in the near future, probably before uh, the trade deadline even gets here. So if Britton goes, is Brock the guy, or is Givens the guy? Because Brock's a free agent, too. They could move him as well. That's true. Uh, They could move both of them, although um, Brock hasn't exactly pitched (laughs) I don't know what his trade value is going to be, and it wouldn't. And they're not like they're going to offer him a, a qualifying offer either. So it would make sense to let him go. And in that case, it just kind of falls down to Givens. Yeah, I mean, I, I and Givens, I believe, has pitched fairly well this year. So uh, it just gives us, but it gets back to the point where you have one win a week. Yeah, uh, you know that team. That team is ugly, and, and maybe one win a week is stretching it. Well, Honestly, I, I stand it, correct. That's like Givens six saves the rest of the way. Yeah, Gibbons has not pitched well. So. Nobody, it's just by default when you look at the when you look at the rest of that roster, it's 
Yeah, they're not going to give it to Castro. I don't even know who Paul Fry is. Uh, it's not going to be. Yeah, there's there's no one else on this team. It's it's going to uh-huh. be Givens. So I guess if you're in AL only league and Givens is still out there, this may be a good week to put in a small bid and try to get him cheap uh, before these moves kind of happen. Because two weeks down the road, there's a really good chance both Brock and Britton are not on this roster, and Givens is the de facto closer. It's, it's so weird. <laughs> it's just, it's so weird to see a major league team this bad, but when you, when you don't spend on the international market and yeah, and you sign Chris Davis to that big giant deal when everybody said, don't do it. Oh uh, man. <laughs> Bidding against themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. in, in everybody, like you said, everybody saw this coming and, it's just, uh, it's crazy that <laughs> this is where and we're then at. You should have traded Manny last year in the last offseason. You didn't. I mean, they were. They should be thankful they got what they got for him, but they should have had more than that. Uh, one I'm adding uh, real quick because uh, we're talking closer news, anyways. Roberto uh, Osuna is starting a rehab assignment. Uh, in what size league are you going and seeing if he's still on the wire and stashing him? Every size or twelve team, fifteen team. Uh, so this gets back to one of my principles. I do have a morals clause on my team, and okay. I don't want I don't want people like that on my roster. I think it's bad juju. You may think differently. I do. that's me. Yeah, I, <laughs> I uh, just like in my real life, uh, in my fantasy life, I have no morals, and uh, I want to win at all costs. Uh, so I think I'm going and checking virtually every format, uh, other than obviously. It's NL like only. my it's like my fantasy football rule. I don't own Dallas Cowboys. Well, I think that's a good rule, uh, just in general. But I, I mean, because they're I, all morally inept, anyhow. Mm-hmm, no, for sure. <laughs> this is gonna be a fun year uh, recording on Sundays during football season. <laughs> <laughs> you, especially because we record early before the games start, so we'll still have a little bit of optimism, unless they play it on Thursday night, and then you and I will both just be uh, downtrodden an entire podcast. Yes. All right, uh, last bit of news we're going to cover before we move on to, into some players to discuss. Uh, Robinson Cano uh, reportedly will play mostly first base uh, because they do not want to move D. Gordon off of second full time. Uh, reportedly, he uh, Gordon will play maybe a game or two a week in center field to allow Cano to play second, but the rest of the time he will either DH, which doesn't seem likely because of uh, Nelson Cruz on the roster, or he will play first base, which bumps Ryan Healy to the bench. What are your thoughts on this? It makes sense. You got to keep the rest of the bats in the lineup. Uh, they have Vogel back up right now, uh, playing. Uh, they just recently recalled him uh, as well. It stinks that you got to move Healy down, but that's who else are you going to take out of this lineup? Yeah, I mean, is Heredia playing that well that? they can't just move Gordon or, or do they just value his defense so much that it's not like Gordon played poorly in center field. They've put an emphasis on their outfield defense this year. When you, when you got Hanniger and span and Heredia, that's one of the big things that hurt them in 2017. So they put an emphasis on that defense this year. And I don't think they want to mess with that. I mean, if, with Gordon, you take, you had Gordon in center, you put him a second, you put him back up there. Perhaps you, uh, you're worried about how that all plays out, bouncing around that much. Some guys are built for it. Maybe he's not. Only speculating here. But if, if you're intent on leaving Gordon to second base, this is the best place to put the best way to use Cano because you're not putting Nelson Cruz back in the field. Do not mess with that national treasure. Yeah, no. 
and I mean, I think this will work itself out one way or another. By the time uh, Cano actually returns, someone will be hurt, or you know, so, something's going to happen that they'll they'll work this out one way or another. But worst case scenario, Ryan Healy goes to the bench, and uh, that sucks for Healy owners. But you, you're right; you, you're not going to mess around with this too much. Yeah, you have you have too much depth until you don't have enough depth. Exactly. All right, let's talk about the players uh, that you wanted to discuss today. Uh, and we have to start with uh, Matt Carpenter because I don't think anybody's ever been as hot as Matt Carpenter. Uh, six ho- or home runs in six straight games, and it would be seven if not for an amazing Billy Hamilton play. Uh, so he's just absolutely <clears throat> crushing it. I-, I think I saw that he's hitting like four-something with – 21 home runs or 22 home runs, I guess, now since uh, May 15th. It's It's been ridiculous. What are you doing right now with Matt Carpenter? <laughs> All right, so I'm going to give a shout-out to one of our podcast listeners, Ryan, uh, who is uh, at RyanGF10 on Twitter. Back on May 3rd, he, he, this was his tweet. On the podcast, you talked about how to avoid Matt Carpenter because of shoulder injuries. However, his, ex- his expected weighted on base average is 412 rather than his actual of 287. Do you think there's some bad luck, or uh, do you think some bad luck is a lot of it, or is his shoulder still a big red flag? And I said we talked about it on the pod, and we certainly did talk about it. But I also, I said I also don't believe shoulder injuries fix themselves. That was my, you know, that was the quote we had. So. Um, we, when we take a look, and this is, I'm actually going to write this big giant mea culpa uh, for my Rotowire piece uh, this week. But if we take a look at his data since <laughs> since that particular date, uh, and take a, and see where things were, because it's been insane uh, since that particular tweet, his expect now his weighted on base average is 456 since that time. Right? That's nuts. His expected weighted on base average is 451. So this is this is skilled. I mean, sometimes we see this. We get back to it earlier. We said he was underperforming. This is a, a, you know probably example one thousand six hundred and forty three of removing your bias and, and looking at the numbers. I couldn't get past the shoulder issues for Matt, for Carpenter, thinking that it was another swing away. Like we recently learned that Bradley Zimmer is done for eight to twelve months with shoulder. We went through this with Michael Brantley. We've gone through this with other people, but then Carpenter. Something clicked, and he is legitimately crushing it. Uh, just a, this is what it, it's crazy to watch what he's doing. But then when you look at the expected, I mean, he is earning every single bit of this. I can't believe they the Cubs even tried to pitch to him last night. I know they pitched around him in the ninth inning, but I I tweeted they should have pointed him from the on the on deck circle straight to first base. Don't even waste the four pitches. Go, uh, son, go. Because he is, he's in that territory right now. No reason to pitch to him. It, well, None. it's like when they would when they would walk Harper for that series uh, was two years ago. They walked him like every at bat in an entire series. It just they, they were not going to let him beat them no matter what. Uh, and they just need to be walking Carpenter. And I mean, I'll I'll apologize too because uh, I got a tweet. Uh, Paul and I were sent a tweet around that time. And asking us whether or not we would rather have Matt Carpenter or Justin Turner, and we both uh, we both said we'd rather have Justin Turner coming off of his injury than Matt Carpenter. And part of it is he looked awful. He looked awful at the plate. 
uh, and he looked really bad in the field. He is having trouble throwing from third to first. Right. Uh, I mean, physically, he did not look right. So obviously, when you, you see that and you go, "Well, this guy's got a," you know, coming off a shoulder injury, uh, you know, you go and say that uh, you you don't believe that he can turn it around, and we were wrong. Yeah, the flat out, we were wrong. Uh, he is single handedly carried my uh, my NFPC team to second place. Uh, well, he single-handedly carried zero of my teams because I don't have them in any league. Well, uh, unfortunately, my my NFBZ team is one of those teams. It's a fifty one of the fifty round draft and holds, and uh, I do not have enough healthy players to field a full team. And so, nice. he, even even though I I was scared about his health, I had to start him because I have pretty much spent the entire year just moving injured players to my bench. <laughs> Unfortunate, dude. Would you sell high on Matt Carpenter right now? I mean, you've, you've I don't got know. to try, I, right? You have to try, but I don't know if anybody's going to be willing. I mean, you have to find somebody in the standings that's hurting for power, and you're going to have to pay. I don't know if there's the comfort level for people because it's been two and a half months. And like we said, it's been since May 3rd, he's legitimately destroying the baseball. And now he is at a peak level of, I think, last 13 plate appearances where he's put the ball in play. His, it, it, it's been an extra base hit. Uh, that's the scary thing. It's just he's at a peak level. You're going to have to pay a huge price, and you're going to have to be one of those teams. Like in my AL league right now, because of the pitching staff I've put together, I have a sizable strikeout lead. I am trying to move those strikeouts to get other help. But that you need to have that kind of statistical advantage in another category where you can say, you know what, I'm going to trade two starting pitchers. Maybe the guy that has Carpenter needs some pitching, but you're going to have to find a place where you have, where you can afford to give that up and, and give up multiple pieces out of that category to get what you're what you're trying to ask for. Because to your point, he's anchoring your lineup. He's obviously anchoring everybody's surge right now, uh, and you're going to have to pay a huge tax on that. Okay, um, let me let me find some. Uh guys who maybe you could try to trade Carpenter for that isn't at the same position? Because obviously position position rarely works. Would you trade Matt Carpenter for, let's see, Ross Tripling? This is the I want to be ambivalent and just say maybe to every single one of these. Okay. <laughs> well, given that I was so wrong about Matt Carpenter last time, I just want to say, yeah, maybe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> In that it, case. Honestly, it would honestly depend on the need. I, I tend to lean towards the I don't want to trade stud hitting for – I know the Ross Stripling name doesn't mm-hmm. maybe not ring true for a lot of people, but look at the results and not the name. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Um, you know, that kind of thing, but 25 or top 50 player overall, uh, this year, according to the ESPN right. player Raider. I mean, yep. just, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm getting at. I just, I know, but if I'm trading, I really need, I need like a top 20 guy out of it. And I don't think that's just good. I don't think that matchup's going to be there. Okay. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to someone who's not performing as well. And someone who Matt Carpenter took yard, <laughs> not too long ago. Uh, that is John Lester. Where are you at on Lester? Is it time to sell him, or are you uh, uh, maybe trying to buy him off of the bad adding? 
All right, it was time to sell them a couple of weeks ago. Here's what I'll get at. Well, I was on the the Baseball HQ with Patrick Davitt, and one of the things I like what he does at the end is he asks you to name um, two hitters that you like and two hitters, uh, uh, a hitter and a pitcher from each league that you like and one that you want to run away from. Uh, Lester was the guy I wanted to run away from because there was a there were a lot of red flags for me staring at him. So we had back back when I did that podcast, which was the week after Father's Day. He had pitched in 15 games, had won nine of them. That's a really high ratio uh, of, of decisions uh, for that. We had a 210 ERA, but we had a 424 FIP and a 457 XFIP with an 88% left on base, a 231 BABIP. You know, there were just that level, and I'm not even going to go into what his expected uh, numbers were in StatCast, but I just remember that everything screamed sell high. That's exactly the language I used. I said, if you have them, start pushing them, get them off your roster, push those chips in, don't try to go in more. And uh, and for people that held on to him and said, no, no, he's pitching great. This is this is the resurgence of, of, of John Lester. We look at his last, you know, since that declaration, and we're looking at a guy who's still won three of his games, but he has a 693 ERA <laughs> since that time. And uh, the, the FIP, XFIP all line up with it, so he has enjoyed some offensive support so he's still getting the wins but everything else is balancing out he's walking guys he's not striking out guys right now he's pitching poor baseball but he's enjoying some very nice run support he's enjoying a little bit of nice or well a fair amount of nice luck too he's actually giving up more contact this year uh getting less swings uh and misses outside of the zone swinging strike rate is down uh walks are up uh hard contact is up it's it's just not <laughs> the, the the underlying statistics aren't in line with where the surface numbers have been. Uh, just I'm going to put on my broadcast hat. He's 12 and three with a 3.14 ERA. He's the ace mm-hmm. of this staff. How could you? This is why. <laughs> how many? If, if the season ended right now, how many Cy Young votes do you think he'd get? Uh, a couple. <laughs> he absolutely would get there. But I mean, you look at all you. Look at what we're rattling off here. It's just like this is <clears throat> this is why I think they're going to be active on the trade market because yes, they have him. You know, Jose Quintana is is already talking about his shoulder uh, ailing them right now. Uh, you know, they need another guy, and that's why I see them trying to make an acquisition here. But this, they know they have to be looking at this, saying, "Yeah, we can't count on this down the stretch." May he may be able to give us five innings and get to that bullpen, but the bullpen hasn't exactly needed the depth. I mean, there's somebody that should go out and get Zach Britton uh, or Britton, go get some pieces to add to that bullpen. Uh, but they need help. The Cubs really do in, on the pitching side, and this is somebody they can't count on. And that's why I was like, please run away from Lester. I know he's getting you the wins, but it's starting to cost you in other areas. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I don't like – really any of the trends giving up like i said more hard contact but i mean a bunch more it's seven and a half per or a five and a half percent more and also giving up about five and a half percent more fly balls this year as well so more hard contact more fly balls that homer rate looks like it will be coming up it's it's in an okay spot it's not good or awful yet but i mean he's already giving up uh 3.61 walks per nine uh, you know, you add a few home runs onto those walks, and uh, it's it's going to look ugly real quick. Yep. All right. You talked about the treasure Nelson Cruz, but you wanted to talk a little bit more about him. Tell me why. Well, so with Nelson Cruz, you look at 
I made a big deal this past week talking about uh, the second half, and I'm using air quotes for those of you guys who can't see me on it while you're listening. You know, the second half of the season on Friday night when San Diego and Houston took the field, they were playing their 100th baseball game. All right, so it's not a half. It's we're in the we're in the not final stanza year, yeah. of the season. It's really deep. But you look at the last when I when I look at I a couple of years ago I wrote an article saying, hey, look here are your realistic targets on what you should look for in the second half of the season. And I posted a list saying how many guys had hit 20 home runs in the second half of the season. Uh, and back in that when I first wrote the list, there was 13 guys that had done it. Now there's been 47, and most of them have come in the last couple of years while there's been this giant resurgence of, of, of the ball bouncing around and launch angle and everything else you want to talk about, right? And, we, and back then, like, Jose Bautista was the only guy that ever hit 30 home runs, and he did it in 2010. And then last year, both J.D. Martinez and Giancarlo Stanton hit 30 home runs in the second half. But there's been all these dudes hitting 20-plus uh, home runs, but there's only been one guy that has done it each of the past three seasons, that's Nelson Cruz. And that's that's what's awesome about Nelson Cruz. I made the I tweeted out something the other day saying, yeah, he's refusing to age, period. A lot of people are like, PDs. But you know, he got busted for that in 2013. All right. So if you look at 15, 16, 17, and 18, you look at all of his stat cast data, he's not slowing down at all. Not at all. And that's that's the crazy part about it. He's having a good year this year. And so when you're trying to think, okay, can he get 20 home runs again in the second half? Why not? Because the, the the batted ball data for him is right in line with where things were, where things have been. Like we look at the last three years, his percentage of barrels, 14, 17, 14. This year it's 13. Exit velo uh, is as high as it's ever been for him. The one thing that's actually hurting him a little bit is launch angle. He's at 15 uh, percent this year. The last couple of years, he's been nine to 13. So he's been getting under the ball a little bit more. This was something that uh, Alex Chamberlain wrote about talking about this year. Guys are hitting the ball harder than ever, higher than ever, but the home runs aren't leaving the ball, uh, yard as much. We're still we're seeing, and he wrote this article back on, I think, the 9th or 10th. He wrote something over in Rotographs about it and talked about it. But you look at Nelson Cruz's batted ball data, the percentage of hard hits, the expected weighted on base average on contact, all of it is right where it's been the last four years. So I am very optimistic he's going to do it again. If you're trying to bank, like we were just talking about trying to trade for Ryan Carpenter, or not Ryan Carpenter, Matt Carpenter. You know, if we're trying to look for, if we're trying to go trade for a guy and we're looking for 20 second half home runs, I think you can get Nelson Cruz at a better price than you would have to pay for Matt Carpenter right now. And possibly excluding, you know, this weekend because he's already does damage, but this way, this uh, moving forward, somebody that's more likely to hit the 20 home runs. I'm right there with you. I will say one, you know, caveat, especially for people who are in uh, a head to head format leagues, especially if your playoffs start early. I know some leagues, uh, head to head leagues have moved their playoffs uh, towards like the first week of September, last week of August to avoid September call-ups and all the issues that happened for fantasy leagues around that. Uh, he does have a five-game stretch in National League parks at the end of August, so there, there's you know there's probably about you know three or four games that he may not be in the lineup other than as a pinch hitter uh, for that stretch. But other than that, I, I'm 100% locked. This is they should have adopted my rule. I tweeted something during the All Star game that said the winner of the All Star game gets to determine the the pitcher hitting <laughs> rule the rest of the season. I love that. And I heard one yesterday on the broadcast. This is what I liked. 
when you play in the other league, then you have to you bring your rules with you. So you know the American League folks love the DH, National League hate it. So when you have interleague play, because this wasn't the, the Rays and Miami game, when the Rays and Miami are playing in Miami, DH applies. When they're playing a Tropicana Field, pitchers hit. And then let the fans take a look at it and say, this sucks, or this rules, and go, I, I don't like interleague play at all, As, aside from the, the Bay Series, you know, where you've got your natural rivalry, maybe making, I don't like this every year stuff. I mean, to me, if I I think I tweeted this a, a few weeks ago, if Jason if Jason were the commissioner of baseball, I'd make universal DH. I get rid of the divisions. I get rid of the unbalanced schedule, and the top six teams make the playoffs. Uh, and the first two teams get a bye. Three plays six, four plays five in a three game series. Your NLDS, your your LDS is a five game. Your CS and World Series are a seven game series. Uh, but the the interleague stuff and the changing of rules, I don't I don't like it. But if you want me to keep interleague play around, I really like the idea. Of the visiting team brings their hitting rules. Yeah, I have been a long, uh, staunch opponent of bringing the DH to the National League, and I've finally come around. I, I, I you know, I finally have gotten to the point where, and it's not about like people complain all the time. Will pitchers get hurt hitting? You know, what pitchers get hurt doing anything. So uh, that that to me isn't a viable excuse. For me, it's the rules need to be the same. For every team in, in, in both leagues. It just makes no sense. It's the only sport that I know of uh, that there are different rules for different conferences. And, that, and, that, and that's ridiculous. And uh, it's time that we let go of this. Obviously, I would prefer personally to see the DH go away in both leagues. But that's not going to happen, so let's be reasonable. Hey, it's been nice talking with you. We'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I like I like pitchers hitting. I um, I, I think there's more uh, there's more strategy. There's more man- in-game managing uh, when you have to double switch and, and hit for a pitcher and things like that. So I prefer that. And I'm, you know, I'm a Giants fan, so I'm a National League guy. But... Uh, at the end of the day, the, the rules need to be uniform for both for both sides. So uh, it's it's ridiculous that you can have a seven game series uh, in the, in the World Series and have to switch back and forth between rules. Yep. All right, let that. I'll, I'll get off my soapbox there uh, and let's move on to uh, a little bit of Rays corner. It's a it's a short Rays corner today, but uh, Nathan Ivaldi is a guy who uh, is likely to be traded before the trade deadline. Uh, and you wrote an article about him. So why don't you talk a little bit? I did. And it's not even behind a paywall. So if you want to go read it, just go to the process it's report. Free. <laughs> it's a free one. Uh, so what I he's going to be traded. And what I like about it, just from a perspective, is he was a uh, considered a nothing signing when it happened. It was a one-year, $2 million deal with a, with a team option for another $2 million if he was able to rehab during the first year because he never pitched uh, in the first year of that deal. And one I've, I've talked about it a couple of times is like he, you know, his overall ERA, you may look at him like, great, my team's trading for a guy that's given up 11 home runs and 57 innings and his ERA is 426, 424. But part of the problem with him is the thing I've been har- harping on with a lot of guys all season is the times through the order penalty. You know, five of his 11 home runs have come when he's faced a batter for a third time in, in a game, three of them came in that back-to-back-to-back against George Springer, Alex Bregman, and Jose Altuve. At the time, the hottest lineup in baseball, and Kevin Cash was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and leave him in here. He's pitching well. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, so what the funny thing is you look at 
you look at his particular line against right-handed batters this year. He's had 120 batters faced, right? 23% strikeout minus walk ratio. That's Anything over 20% is really good. He's at 23%. His batting average against righties, 203. His on-base, 217, because he doesn't walk anybody. But then you look at the slug, you're 414. You're like, what the hell? How does he have a 431 ERA? Oh, yeah. Because of the home runs, <laughs> the, those have been the problem. And he he does have he still splitsy a little bit against lefties. Like that strikeout minus walk rate falls to seventeen percent. There's about a fifties uh, point split between his weighted on base uh, between righties and lefties. But even against lefties, is three nineteen, which is below, which is better than the league average. So one of the things I speculate with him is once he gets traded, his value can actually go up because he could be pitching for a team that has a deeper bullpen. I speculate the Indians, who just added Brad Ham and Adam Simber, uh, you know, they they need another pitcher in between. They may not need one for the postseason, but they could use another starting pitcher the rest of the way and then take Eovaldi's skills into the postseason and his ability to be really good against right-handed batters in a postseason that's that's likely to have them face a Yankee or an Astros lineup in the first round. And so that would be something that would help them neutralize those righty uh, heavy lineups because he's pitched against both those teams. And when I when I take a look at and see what he's done uh, against those times, you take away those home runs when he was left in too long. But the first two times through the order against all the current AL playoff teams that he's faced, he's holding them to a 169, 181, 366 triple slash. 231 weighted on base average. So my thing with him is if he gets traded, I actually see his value going up because he may pitch less and get out of that, get, get out, pitch two, two, two times through the order, get out, let the bullpen take over. And the way he's pitched, that two times through the order is going to get him into the fifth inning. So he'll, he can get through five, qualify for that win, and dive out and save those ratios. If he had done that, like if we take away the times that he has pitched, he has a 7.20 ERA when he's been left in that lineup that third time through. His ERA would be 3.09 if we just stopped right there after 18 batters and said, "You're done, get out." His ERA would be 3.09, and he's not getting many strikeouts. He's not. There's no reward for him staying in this late. So I'm really curious. I mentioned the Cubs earlier. This is a guy I think would fit really well in the Cubs as well as they're looking for somebody because the National League rules would they don't have to be you know, have to leave. Okay, do I want to squeeze an extra inning out, or do we have a situation here where I'd rather try to get the run across the plate and I'm going to go ahead and pull him out of the game? Uh, then again, Joe Madden's done a poor job of managing Jose Quintana, who's just terrible the third time through. Just horrendous. Uh, so I, I'm curious to see where he goes. But those, two, if I look at, I think Cleveland would be an ideal fit uh, for him in, a, in his skill set. And with that, with the way they've deepened their bullpen with Hand and Simber, uh, to go in front of what was leaky, I think now with the depth of that pen, uh, it could really help out uh, Eovaldi's value the rest of the way. And I, I think there are going to be another number of teams interested in him. One, because he's not going to cost anything. Nope. Uh, he's going to be extremely cheap. Uh, and, you know, especially I, I think a team like Atlanta, who is competing, in, surprisingly competing, uh, you know, is still – technically rebuilding a little bit but so they're not going to want to give up any major prospects uh and could add him and strengthen that rotation uh with guys like gohara not performing soroka on the dl uh you know maybe a team like oakland who has rotation issues 
but are competing nonetheless. Uh, you mentioned Cleveland and Chicago, both it, both as options. Uh, I think there are a number of teams that could use a guy like Eovaldi. If you just take away that really bad outing he had right before the All Star break, he he would have had a three a three thirteen ERA. Now, and you, the thing is with can't. that with him though, though, uh, just a quick jump in. That was one of those things where you know the bullpen had been pitching a lot. They tried to get some depth. They batted around against him in the first inning. It was clear he didn't have his good stuff. And then they left them. So the the final nail in the coffin in that particular game was Joe Maurer hitting a three run home run off him in the third inning after seeing him for a third time in the game. I mean, they, he clearly didn't have it. Uh, and that's where they, but they were trying to get something out of him because you know, the bullpen was just taxed. And that's really where that fell down to. But yeah, if you remove that game, uh, that does that. You take that and you take out leaving him into the Astros. All of a sudden, his ERA's in the in the in the mid to high two. So he pitches. There's definitely value there. And I actually want to push back a little bit on the he'll come cheap. I think the open market, when you go through and look at some of the prices, you've got the high end, like you know, there's floating Chris Archer rumors, and you've got uh, Jake Degrom. If a pitch, if a staff wants to in- improve their team on the cheap. They can go this way, and a number of teams would want to do things on the cheap. So they may end up getting somebody that's on somebody's 40-man roster instead of having to wait for somebody that's off the 40-man roster and somebody close to the majors rather than a, a low-A guy. And they've, they've done a really good job of late, uh, you know, like last year when they traded Tim Beckham and got uh, Tobias Myers, who's pitched really well for them. And that was somebody that was off the 40-man roster, and they gave away somebody that they probably would have DFA'd anyhow. Um, and they've got a return on that. But I think with Ivaldi, I'm I'm holding out hope that they're going to get a decent return on him. Uh, and we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about Matt Olson. Uh, what, are you, what are you seeing from him? Uh, with him, it gets back to the, it gets back to Nelson Cruz. I mean, I, I looked at the, the piece I wrote for Rotowire. I was looking at it say, okay, tell me, let's look at guys who may hit 20 home runs. Nelson Cruz was obviously the easiest one for me to lock into, but I wanted to look at some other guys and say, who else could possibly be out there that, that could do it. And then when I look at, when I look at Matt Olson right now, uh, current leaderboards, he's eighth in fly ball line drive exit velocity. He's fifth overall in exit velocity. Uh, fourth in hard hit percentage, 23rd in average batted ball distance. And then you look at a lot of his uh, batted ball contact, and it lines very much up close to uh, Nelson Cruz's. That's what's scary. I mean, look at his average launch angles at 18 degrees. Uh, his expected slugging percentage is at 566, where his actual is at 444. His uh, expected weighted on base average with contact is at 490, which is where Nelson Cruz's is. And so to me, when I kind of looked at this, I didn't want to do another Matt Carpenter. be like, eh, whatever, it's not real. Um, I, I'm looking at Matt Olson here because I've always liked this power, but he's underperforming in a number of areas, but his other indicators put him in line with guys that are doing better, which is why... I would be looking at adding Matt Olson at a discount if somebody's disappointed with his 235, 325, 444 batting line right now. Yeah, the hard part is that he's already hit 19 home runs. And so mm-hmm. it's, I think, I, I don't know if you're going to get a big discount because, I mean, he is who we thought he was. He, he's a guy who isn't going to hit for a ton of average. Uh, you know, it should be better than the 234 we're seeing right now, but. Right. Uh, he's going to hit for power. We, we saw it in 216 plate appearances last year when he knocked out uh, 24 home runs. So would it be surprising to me 
uh, to see him do that again in the second half? No. It would not be surprising at all. And if you're in need of a power boost, he shouldn't cost you an arm and a leg because of the average. So, uh, And this is an athletics team that uh, if they're going to do anything else at the deadline, it's going to be add something to that offense. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if the, the counting categories continue to improve. Yes. All right. Let's uh, let's talk some two-start pitchers. It wasn't a great week for two-start pitchers, uh, but uh, coming off the uh, the deadline, you or the uh, uh, the all-star break, you may be in need of a little bit of boost in wins and strikeouts. So let's start off with the first group. These guys are about forty to fifty percent owned in CBS league. You've got uh, Suarez at Seattle uh, versus uh, home versus Milwaukee. Jeremy Hellickson at Milwaukee. Uh, at Miami, Drew Pomeranz at Baltimore, and then uh, home versus the Twins. Uh, I'm going to go in. I definitely want Pomeranz coming back. I read some encouraging stuff on some of the tweaks he's been working on while he's out. Those matchups are are nice for him, uh, and the run support's always going to be there uh, for him. So I'll go that where I'll I'll go there first. Um, the Helix matchup scares me a little bit at Milwaukee, and then Miami's playing good baseball. I think they're twenty three uh, at twenty three and eighteen over the past forty one. They don't have a one giant threat in their lineup, but the sum of their parts is performing well. Uh, Prado's hitting the ball weather, uh, better of late. Castro's hitting well. Brian Anderson's been making really good contact, uh, and so I've been impressed. I've seen a bunch of their games of late because they've been playing in that Tampa Bay Citrus series, uh, and. They're they're doing better uh, in that regard, and so I'm uh, I'm not crazy about that matchup. And same thing with the Suarez one. So I think Pomeranz clear favorite in that group for me. Oh, uh, I'm gonna go. It, it depends on on your format of your league. So if you're in a wins league, I'm gonna go Hellickson. Uh, if you don't include that one start versus Miami in which he had the flu, and it was reported he had the flu before the game, uh, but that he was going to try to pitch through it, and he ended up giving up eight, eight earned runs uh, in that game. Hey, was that a day game or a night game? I believe it was a night game. I only say because the flu is typically... Uh... Yeah, being hungover. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, no, supposedly actually had, had the flu, but they... Uh, they didn't have anybody else they wanted to come uh, that could come up and pitch, and uh, they didn't. They taxed the bullpen. I want to say the night before or something, um, and he gives up eight, eight earned runs uh, in, in four innings. They, they just let him go for some. Like they just they did not want to tax the bullpen anymore. Um, uh, he, his ERA without that game would be two uh, two point three one. Yeah. So, I mean, he's actually been really, really good this year. The problem with him has been he doesn't go deep into games. He's only gone uh, six innings once, and that was in the last game, his last start versus the Mets. Uh, but if you're looking for a cheap win, uh, maybe some cheap strikeouts, I think I would, I, I'd roll the dice on him as opposed to Pomeranz coming off the DL. Uh, in a quality starts league, I think it's probably Pomeranz. I'm staying away from Suarez in these matchups. Yeah, and he's and Hellickson shouldn't go deep into games. That's not his thing. He doesn't have the stuff to do it. Exactly. He's another one of these guys. Two times through. See ya. All right. Uh, next set of uh, guys. These are guys who are about thirty to forty percent owned in CBS. Uh, Mike Miner versus home versus Oakland, then at Houston. Trevor Williams at Cleveland and uh, home versus the Mets. 
Marco Estrada versus Minnesota, or home versus Minnesota, and then at the White Sox. Uh, give me that Estrada matchup. Yeah, Estrada's been a lot better as of late, but then you, you get to go against Minnesota, uh, who has not been good this year, and the White Sox, who have been absolutely atrocious. So I think that one's a pretty easy one. I just don't like – if it was just Minor versus Oakland, I'd be fine with it, but I'm not putting him up against Houston – uh, and I'm going yeah. to try to str- I'm, I'm going to try to pick up Trevor Williams uh, in tout head to head, but that's because pitching is is, is really thin there, and the two starts uh, in head to head points are uh, you know is huge. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna gamble that one over uh, like the next grouping that we have. Uh, and the next grouping that we have are guys that are under 30 percent owned, uh, but not quite yet in the single digits. Uh, Lucas Giolito at the Angels, and then home versus Toronto. Uh, Jose Urana, uh, both home, home games are uh, home versus Atlanta, home versus Washington. Francisco Liriano at Kansas City, and home versus the Indians. That's a pass on all three. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you made me made me take one of them, it's Liriano, right? Because of the KC matchup, yeah. I mean, but I, I'm I'm right there with you. There are that means he's guys, got to face Lindor and Ramirez too. <laughs> yeah, there are guys in the next grouping that I think I'd rather have over all of these guys, and uh, so we'll move right on to that. Uh, this next grouping is all single-digit owned guys, so really deep mixed leagues that are probably still available, and maybe in some of your AL or NL onlys. Uh, you've got Felix Pena, home versus the White Sox, and home versus the Mariners. Jason Vargas coming off the DL, home versus San Diego at Pittsburgh. Jeffrey uh, Ramirez, home versus Boston and home versus Tampa Bay. Homer Bailey, I believe, coming off the DL as well, uh, home versus the Cardinals and home versus the Phillies. Alberto Mejia being called up to go at Toronto and at Boston. Birch Smith, home versus Detroit and at the Yankees. And Heath Fillmire, uh, home versus Detroit and then at the Yankees. Holy cow. Yuck! A lot of single-digit crappy. Uh... I know Vargas is <laughs> Vargas is the only one I even want to poke with a stick. Really? That's that's the only one that you'll because uh, I, I think I might give uh, a Pena a roll. Po- possibly. I think you know you get that you get that home start versus uh, the White Sox, and then you know home versus Seattle can be a little bit risky, but I think the White Sox matchup is good enough that you can. Uh, roll the dice on that one. The Birch Smith one I'd run away from as far as I possibly could. Yeah. Um, the Alberto Mejia, I like Mejia, but I don't like the I don't like the two locations mm-hmm. of those starts either. I mean, who wants to who wants to stream against the the Red Hey, Sox? is it is it your boy Blaine Hardy back in the rotation now with Michael Fulmer being shelved out? Uh, that's a good question. I I don't know that. Um, give me a sec. I'll find out. I think he's back. I think I. In fact, I think he's up for a two start pitch uh, this week. Let me see. Because uh, he did he did pay out. I mean, I got one win out of him that week. You were like, hey, you know what? I'm picking up Blaine Hardy. I'm, and then after you convinced me why I should do the same, I did. And yeah, uh, he is you know, in the rotation. Two good starts. There we go. Um, I would take I would take him over anybody in those last two groups we've mentioned. <laughs> Let's see where his, uh, his next starts coming up uh, are. So Hardy is uh, – let's see – He's pitching today. He's pitching today uh, uh, versus oh, Boston. 
and then he is pitching uh, versus Cleveland. So those are both awful matchups. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, he is on my bid. I mean, this is not going to go live by one. I do have a bid in on him and A.L. Tout, along with uh, uh, one of the Cleveland relievers, depending. I, I know I'm not going to get Brad Hand, but I put a bid in on Simber, and then I've got uh, Renato Nunez or Geyer in the outfield, and then trying to get Brandon Drury back. Uh, Here's what we'll I will say, though. Um, if you are looking ahead, especially like in your head-to-head leagues, or if you're if you're looking to stash – Someone, you're obviously, by the time you said, like, by the time you, people are hearing this, the Boston game will, will have already happened. I'm sure he'll have gotten blown up. Uh, and then if you want to stash him and just not start him against Cleveland, his two starts after that for a two-start week, the first week of August, uh, the first full week of August, are versus Minnesota and versus White, the White Sox. The two teams I had recommend streaming him against in a two-start week because both those teams are awful against left-handed pitching. Yes, so that's that's kind of a point you made last time too, and that's why I was like, you know what, good point. So, so yeah, he, he he's lined up as long as everything stays in order to uh, be home versus the Twins and home versus the White Sox. So that should be a, a pretty yeah. decent, uh, pretty decent run there, actually. And there was another one I wanted to uh, point out because I was reading something uh, Nick Pollock had mentioned it the other day, and I wanted to point out something because before he mentioned it, it kind of flew under my radar. I'm like, really? That That's happening right now? Um, it's with James Shields. And James Shields, if I can go back and pull the numbers to see, that's one, two, three, four, um, five, six, seven, eight. So if I look, uh, he mentioned over his last eight starts. I mean, James Shields on the season is 4-11 and 11 with a 4.26 ERA. Last eight starts, three wins, 3.20 ERA. All of a sudden, James Shields is pitching with some value. Five home runs and 50 and two-thirds. He's got 40 strikeouts. Um, it's not going to last, but you may want to try to get back in on that train a little bit and look at it by a matchup-by-matchup situation. Uh, but the strikeout rate is is back to where a, a decent level. Uh, when I say decent, I'm looking at uh, 18, 18% strikeout level uh, right now and it and holding batters to a 227 average. So you may, again, go matchup by matchup, see how things play out uh, on this. But outside of the blasting he took to Houston, I mean, Houston just creamed him. He pitched well against Seattle the other day on the 20th. He did well against Kansas City prior to that. Did well against uh, Oakland back in June, and so that 3.20 ERA even comes with that blasting by the Astros. And when I say blasting, the Astros eight earned runs in five and two thirds. Nice. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Uh, got anything fun coming up? Uh, home all week. Nice. So I go away. Uh, I do with recorded like this is uh, notes wise. I have travel. Next Sunday. So if okay. we're going to record, uh, it's got to be later in the day, possibly Saturday. But I do have a flight to Denver uh, on Sunday. And I leave in the morning and I get out to Denver around um, like 1230 local time. Okay, let's see. And that's the 29th or something like that. Yeah, Correct. 29th. Okay. Um, we'll have to maybe play it by ear. Maybe we can do a Monday recording. I don't know if you're available Monday or... Uh, uh, we'll be later. I mean, I've got stuff Monday evening and I fly out Tuesday morning um, as long as it's late because we'll be closer time zone-wise. So um, really well, depends on your schedule. Okay. Since we'll this is the only place I could talk baseball because SiriusXM doesn't talk fantasy baseball anymore during the day. 
yeah, that, that's unfortunate. Uh, you can hear me on Sundays for baseball on FNTSY. Yeah, we, we talk baseball all year round because uh, we're the Tout Wars Hour, and Tout Wars is all about uh, baseball. We touch on football a little bit. That explains why I don't come on because my Tout Wars team. I'm actually up to seventh place, but I, I don't. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a little tough for me to get into the top half. I, I think I may. I, I think I have a capacity to get to sixth this year. But Rick and Glenn are running away with it yet again, and I'm gonna have to hear those damn rings clinking yeah. in the bell yet again. Well, so I'm, I may, I'm, hoping I'm hoping to be both able... of my ears. I'm like both of my ears are clogged by that time in March, so I don't have to hear those rings because it was so painful to hear them last time. And they currently have a thirty a thirty and a half point lead over Laura Michaels and Mike Podhorzer and Seth Trackman, who are all tied for second place. Oh wow! Yeah. I uh, I'm in a dog fight in head to head. All there is a four team race right now uh, between Jake Seeley, uh, Doctor Roto, myself, and Clay Link. Uh, all four of us are within ten games. Uh, in in uh, and you can you know win up to eight each week. So I mean that's virtually you know just just a little over a week worth of you know games difference. So uh, and we all have to play each other one more time uh, each before the end of the season. So we, ah. it's it's going to come down to these head-to-head matchups, um, and uh, I'm I'm hoping to pull it out, you know. Uh, but even if for some reason I don't win, uh, one I think I've done pretty well because my team has been decimated by injuries all year long, and in my two matchups against Paul, I went I believe fourteen and two. <laughs> So, uh, it, it's, I mean, even if I don't win the league, at least I win the podcast. Yes, that works. That bragging rights are always good. Exactly. All right, Jason, you have a great week, and I'll, uh, we'll figure out a time to, uh, to get together to record. All right, man. Take care. an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league well look no further and download squad ql the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year download squad ql for free for your apple and android devices squad ql recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters bench players and free agent pool how does squad ql actually do this the app connects directly with your yahoo espn and cbs leagues pulling in your actual roster your league scoring system the app also provides waiver wire recommendations daily updates to player rankings and much more head to the apple app or google play stores to download squad ql your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager squad ql is brought to you by the creators of roto ql the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.